Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Pastor John Lawson, uh, who's the pastor of operations here at Church of the Nazarene, Harrisonburg, and also we have a campus in Elkton, Virginia, our East Rock campus. Pastor John, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me. I've been told that I have a good face for radio, so I appreciate you asking me on today. Uh, I resemble that remark. <laughs> and I first want to say uh, we actually had Pastor John in back in summer of 2019 to share his testimony, and it was so good that we needed two parts. Um, before we started recording today, I actually looked back, and part one of his testimony was on June 30th of 2019, and then part two was August 11th, 2019, and you can look those up on our website, cotnaz.org. Just go to the upper right-hand corner, click Watch, Listen, click Hope Talks, and you probably have to go to the past page, past episodes or all episodes to find that. Yeah, and we always like to start out with a lighthearted question, so I'll throw it to Pastor Margaret. Oh, yes, absolutely. So a question that uh, kind of Grayson and I tend to spar a little bit with is about ice cream. So um, do you have a favorite ice cream or a topping to bring to the table today? Wow. Yeah, so a lot of people seem surprised when I say this because it must not be normal, but I have ice cream daily. Nice. And I, I'm not stretching that by any any means. You can ask my wife. But um, if I'm eating ice cream at home, usually my go-to is um, either mint chocolate chip or uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. And I always uh, eat it out of a coffee cup, which is, uh, that's how I portion control. <laughs> and um, Or at least act like I'm portion controlling. And I always grab my spoon, and I, I don't pass the peanut butter jar without getting a big scoop of peanut butter to join in with that loveliness. So if I'm eating ice cream out, um, I prefer Smiley's and the, I think it's Java Chip. Um, I, I just have a hard time getting away from Java Chip. So, yeah, those are my go-to, and it gets expensive, but that's my daily hang-up right now. I know we have a CR group, and I don't know if we have one for ice <laughs> yeah, cream or not, some food I probably yeah, need huh? something like that. Yeah, well, it sounds like that you are controlling the amount that you intake, so uh, we'll let you slide, and I'm going to the Holy Spirit can tell you whether that's an issue or not, but it sounds like you're in public telling it, so I feel pretty good about that <laughs> confession and I don't have it daily, but we have it pretty often at our house. And some of the things that you were mentioning, uh, my family would be going yes when it comes to anything with peanut butter and chocolate. And then I have a mint chocolate chip person in the house. And I'm not in that arena. I don't love chocolate. I'll eat chocolate, but I want something crunchy in my ice cream. And it just depends. Smiley really has some good crunchy stuff. So I could choose from a lot of things on there list but um, and smiley's is relocating they're like they're literally relocating by about a quarter mile but i can't tell you how excited i am that it's going to be a quarter mile closer to my house <laughs> yeah it's so, funny um, for me so, there, yeah and i and i have to give a little bit of a shout out because we have this ice cream conversation a lot if you've been around the church mm-hmm. long enough here in the past couple of years we've done a ton of video and a ton of audio where we are always talking about favorite ice cream because i do think this valley has an addiction to ice cream maybe it's just a national thing but I have to give a little bit of a shout out to Tots, who never really gets mentioned in that, 
But um, our Thursday night ride home from East Rock, because we have practice on Thursday nights for our worship team, and that's become like a kind of a regular stop for us. And the prices and the serving, like you can't beat the price for the serving they give you. They don't have as many uh, like flavors as like Grammys, but everything Mm -hmm. we've tried there so far has been excellent. Where is that? Tots is right beside your pie. I was about to say oh, my yeah. pie, but it's right next to your pie and Valley Jump. So okay. yeah, I've not been there. Off to kind of a that. hidden gem. It's really good. It's really close to here. So like, yeah, you know, good lunch break spot. Like we so. could go there, you know, after we record. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, Grayson's always going to have vanilla. Like, that's just... (laughs) And and this would happen, so I'll just go ahead and say this. Last week when I was recording, when Pastor Margaret was on vacation at the time of that recording, I found somebody that loved vanilla just like me, Pastor Chris. He said vanilla, and he said if it's not acceptable, he gave another flavor. But I said, no, it's acceptable. I think Pastor Chris was the same one who was asked by Pastor Olivia what his go-to Starbucks was, and it was like something strawberry, and he pretty much got laughed off the interview. Um, But anyway, uh, no, that's good. Have you tried vanilla bean? Because that's kind of a different experience altogether. Maybe. If not, you need to try vanilla bean. It's just a okay. little bit different. and um, But I have to warn you, it's got some little specks in it. Uh, you don't have to eat around them. They're not like watermelon seeds. You won't, you won't even notice them, but they're really, it's really good. So. Vanilla yeah. bean, yeah. Well, you mentioned, Pastor John, uh, You met when you were mentioning tots, y'all usually go there after Thursday night practice at our East Rock campus. And uh, I'm not going to jump quite that far ahead, but... sure. Um, and like I, I mentioned that we had done your testimony, so we'll kind of just do an overview. But tell us about where you're from and a little bit about, you know, growing up and where you grew up. Yeah, without giving out like too much information, like I grew up literally until I was in third grade about 300 yards from where our East Rock campus sits. Um, I was back wow. I was back in that neighborhood the big like nasty looking electronic transformer that's mm-hmm. behind there that was kind of like we played around that fence probably against someone's better judgment but that was kind of like our backyard literally and um so um yeah i'm literally i grew up in the neighborhood um where our campus actually sits um and then about third grade we moved um kind of to the other side of the tracks in an older neighborhood over there and i moved out of there when I think I was about 21 years old, so I always kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider um, in Elkton, you know, like to a lot of my family, I was probably the city boy because I didn't grow up um, with a whole lot of hunting and fishing. We did a little bit of fishing, like literally like twice a year, maybe, and it never really got further than uh, about a half mile from the house at Shenandoah River, and, but yeah, I, I just didn't have a lot of the like country experiences that a lot of my family was in, so like I never really knew how to relate to a lot of my cousins who like always the conversation was about, you know, um, how big the rack on the deer was or, or whatever it might be. And so like, um, I just always felt like a little bit of an outsider, I think until I got outside of Elkton Mm. and then, um, man, I just really longed to come back to that always. And, um, so we lived in Colorado Springs for three years after kind of moving around to a couple of small towns in the Valley. Um, and then we lived in Lynchburg for 10 years and, um, none of those places really ever felt um, quite as home to me. Um, now just being back in the valley and like I can drive wherever I want to be, it's like I can pretty much feel at home just about anywhere I'm at here in the valley. Um, and I could probably relate more now to family than I ever could before. And sometimes that distance makes the heart grow fonder. And 
Um, I don't know. Like, even though I'm still not a hunter, you know, it's like I can still really get engaged in conversation with my family who is because they're so passionate about it. And I so, like, respect the fact that, like, if something goes really south, you know, like, they're probably going to be the family that I'm relying on to, like, (laughs) you know, pass these skills, these, like, life survival skills on to me because, you know, like, I just realized, like, they just have a different way of life and a, a way to survive. And, like, you know, I think of all the things we get bent out of shape on social media or the news and, you know, so many of my family, like, they don't have any internet at their house and um, their lives are better because of it, uh, so full of peace and they're not constantly worried, they're not dealing with anxiety and stresses of, of that sort of thing. And my dad and I have talked about it often, it's like when recession or depression hits the economy, um, so many of the people that kind of like live that simple lifestyle, like, they're just not affected um, because life goes on as usual and they're going to find a way. And so like, that's to me, I haven't always connected to that. I haven't always like looked up to that, but I think the older I get, the more I look up to that and really respect that, that way of life. In these days, life has such a way of the world around us has such a way of entering our homes and our lives because we are so connected and it is amazing. I can identify a little bit with you um, about family that is not as connected and some of those cares um, don't weigh on them as heavy. I mean, they still have cares. They still have things that they need to worry and they don't need to worry, but the daily things of life, but they're different. So you grew up in the church. We've talked about that prior interview. Just to kind of give a little bit of a backstory today, what did it look like for you growing up in the church and then as a teenager kind of getting away from that, that setting, maybe going your own way? Yeah. I mean, growing up in the church for me, there were like, I, you know, it was like, it was me and like one other young person that was remotely close to my age. And then beyond that, it was just like a few toddlers around and that sort of thing. So I never had, I never had a youth group growing up and I never even heard of camp until I was in like sixth or seventh grade. And I I went three years straight in middle school to camp, um, was our denominational camp. It was literally like a 10 hour drive to even get there. And so, you know, it wasn't exactly easy to even get there but it was there that I kind of realized oh there's young people in the church too mm-hmm. like it, it's and it's it's a little bit bigger than me and um you know I think like when my dad stepped down from that position he was the pastor at that small church that I grew up in uh, when he stepped down like we were all kind of like we were just talking about like a few minutes ago 2020 being a fog we were kind of all in a fog mm-hmm. at that point and um I had never known my parents to not be like deeply connected with a church but I mean they were looking around. They didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't necessarily have a, a plan B um, in sight before that move was made. And so for me, I, I was on that same journey, but I was kind of walking it alone because I I really I really wanted to stay connected with the church, but I knew I didn't necessarily want to stay with the same type of church. And so long story short, they ended up finding this church before I did. They invited me, and I would, my first time ever coming was uh, on a Sunday evening at Stone Spring Elementary School, and, you know, I didn't even know that a church could do that, you know, meet at a building that wasn't a church building, you know, and so that was even out of the box, which was attractive to me. So, yeah, that's where I first got connected. Um, I think my future, whenever to be a sister-in-law, Melissa was sharing her testimony that night, her and her husband, Jeff, and, um, you know, I didn't know them, but they eventually became my in-laws, and so uh, that was a really cool um, first experience, and Within just a few weeks, I was playing drums uh, at the church. Um, 
pretty regularly and pretty involved with the worship ministry here. Um, and, you know, there just came a time, you know, without going into all the ins and outs of it from age 15 on up until, you know, early 20s, I was just kind of like trying to live two lives. And I had this kind of like secret life to the side where I was, I was smoking and drinking and doing whatever I thought I wanted to do. And um, definitely with some of the wrong crowd then. And it was just one Sunday where God just called me away from trying to live two lives. It wasn't working for him. It wasn't working for me. Uh, just kind of that re-surrender, rededication to Christ that Sunday. Don't have any clue what your, uh, what your dad, uh, Pastor Kerry Willis, was speaking on that day. Um, but God was speaking louder, whatever it was. And so, um, yeah. And, you know, Pastor Kerry was back here and preached a few weeks, maybe even months now uh, ago. And, you know, he shared your story at the end of the message. And it was just a powerful moment, you know, just I knew your story, but to kind of hear it uh, refreshed in my mind, he came to your house and had pizza, you know, and engaged you. And, you know, you had parents that wanted you to be connected. Before we started today, I was telling you that, you know, someone, you know, came and engaged you. And I had that experience, too, where um, I had some people inviting me to church and also had someone after I started coming tell me that they never invited me because they never thought it interested me. And... um, just I was encouraged again of our role as believers of making sure that everyone feels welcome and that we do break bread with folks that maybe are struggling and don't know where they, you know, where they fit. Obviously you have giftings in worship and leading worship and you're a musician and that's kind of how God brought you back in to be involved. It's not kinda it is the way he brought you back in to be involved. Like that wasn't an accident. And I think we all have those listening today, like we all have giftings that God can use and um, helping people to find their purpose in a place to serve, I think is extremely important. And that was just, that story was an encouragement and a reminder to me to always be open and mindful of the people that are around us, to know that God is at work when we can't see it. Maybe even when it seems like he's really not, (laughs) he is, Um, he's always at work. So just grateful for PK and engaging you. And so you began to play music, um, uh, obviously heard from God. What does that look like today? Like from where you were that day, you grew up in Elkton, and now you're leading worship (laughs) in Elkton at the East Rock campus. When that began to unfold, what was that like for you? It was a little bit surreal. I mean, when I went to Bible college, I, I majored in music ministry. So, I mean, that's really what I was in school for. So I've always, um, since that point, kind of like leaned pretty heavily into worship ministries and that sort of thing. But I had really never um, led worship. Uh, I'd led worship here and there as like a, a stand-in or like at a camp here and there. But uh, I'd never really done it on a weekly basis and really honestly didn't know what it was like. Um, so... Uh, just if I'm being honest, like I, I'm a rookie at it because I haven't been doing, I've mm-hmm. only been doing it since February at this point. Right. And so there's a lot of uh, things I'm learning um, about it and a um, ton of administration with that sort of thing, uh, just a lot of organization and, um, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really fun. Um, it's been really fun. It's obviously not without challenges. Oh, it's like sure. there's, 
there's so much more technology involved in it now than there was when I first started, um, you know, when I was at Bible college and, you know, a lot of the context there was like, you know, when you're leading worship in a church, you probably won't have a sound system and you won't have computers. And it's kind of like, well, you know, we kind of have all that. So there's all these different pieces to kind of manage and help um, build the team and uh, volunteers around every week. And it, it's a lot of work. Um, it's it's a lot of work, but it's really fun. It's And I, I feel like I'm starting to get a better feel for some of the mechanics of it. But I still have a lot to learn as it just relates to just leading worship from the front and leading people into that same place that, you know, I've practiced for, you know, I've spent my week practicing for Sunday. You know, one of the things that I'm always telling our worship team on, on Thursday night is I want us to practice enough so as to not be a distraction for our people to hopefully join us on Sunday. And um, so it's like, I want us, you know, I'm personally a bit of a perfectionist, but really in the sense of worship, it's like, um, I also realize like there's a time constraint and we have to we have to call it done at a certain mm-hmm. point. You know, I, I don't want to uh, dishonor people's time and that sort of thing. So we do the best we can. And we mostly I just want to see that we know what we're doing well enough that on Sunday we're not, you know, looking back at back and forth at each other, trying to figure out where we're at. And we're not playing wrong chords at that point. But we're able to to fully immerse ourselves in it so that, you know, hopefully our people will will join in that with us and um so yeah i've i've got a lot to learn now about just like what that looks like with getting our people on board with where we're at so that that's that's a challenge yeah and it is um like you said it's bringing everyone into that place of worshiping god and you don't want to be a distraction and so you know there are going to be things but um we want to you know do our best for the Lord, right? Yeah. Like we want to make sure that we are honoring him and everything. Pastor John, just talking about, uh, you know, leading worship in Elkton and, you know, things have kind of come full circle. I know you don't live in Elkton, but you do spend quite a bit of time in there, especially with leading worship there on a weekly basis. And I've actually had the pleasure to visit the East Rock campus a couple, I believe two different occasions since the launch and, it's a real good atmosphere, and I mean, even though, you know, it's a smaller, kind of more intimate, I think, would be the word I would use, but just, you know, God, it seems, has always used music to draw you to Him. You mentioned when you first started coming to church here, when your parents started coming here, and you started out and uh, in, you know, playing the drums, uh, Pastor Margaret mentioned my dad going to your house via your parents' invitation and him just saying, hey, we need another drummer, like, come be a part of the." And now he's using you to do that as, you know, part of your job. I know you have a lot of other areas that you're involved in and ministry here and responsibilities, but that's part of it. And actually, that message was uh, August uh, the 8th. So if you want to go to our website and find that on our watch, listen page, there's just a a little bit of a snapshot of kind of how you got into church kind of as a strayed teen or whatever the word is. But just any thoughts about, you know, how God has used worship over the years just to maybe strengthen your relationship to him or now being a witness and kind of drawing people to him kind of the way he drew you to him back in those days when you were away from him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back as far as like 
fifth and sixth grade as to how I think God was beginning to equip me for, for what I'm doing now. And so like around fifth grade, I really, I had a cousin that played drums. And so I just got really interested in drums. And so, um, throughout middle school, I played drums with the band and I, you know, for lack of better words, I cheated my way through that because I never really learned how to read music. And so it's really the major reason that I got out of it and did not pursue that through high school is because I knew that I would no longer be able to kind of like cheat that system and, and act like I knew what I was doing. So a lot of it was like developing that, de- developing rhythm, developing my ear a lot. And then in high school, um, my grandfather had always played guitar. He was a big bluegrass guitar player. And I was that was never cool for me, you know. <laughs> um, that was a, another way in which maybe I felt a little bit of a disconnect from family was like, I was kind of like, well, I'm not that, you know. And um, so, but around ninth or 10th grade, like I began just kind of getting this interest. Saw some other kids around high school, they would carry their guitars around with them and kind of just play for fun. And I kind of just developed this interest in guitar, started playing a little bit. And um, the other thing that began to happen in high school is I got interested in theater a lot and uh even in like the technical aspect of it and we actually had at our school we had a we had theater classes obviously but we also had like technical theater which interested me a lot and so i began even just working in some of these classes on like building sets for our school musical and painting and developing lighting and didn't really get into sound much in that uh time frame at the school but during that whole period like uh, playing drums, playing guitars. I played in a couple of bands and started um, learning how to run sound because you know we didn't we didn't have a sound guy, so we were running sound for ourselves. And so it was kind of me that um, in our group. I mean, several of us kind of knew a little bit about it, but I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And then, um, of course, the ten years that I was in Lynchburg, that's mainly what I did. I ran sound probably ninety percent of the Sundays that I was there in Lynchburg. I was behind the sound console, and so. Um, just have God's just continually like equipped me and put me in positions to just learn a lot more and not just from the platform side, but kind of from the wings and from the uh, front of house. And so, so that's just kind of given me like a full view. And so like a lot of in my worship leading that I think God's kind of instilled in me is just knowing the importance that what I'm doing on the platform impacts so many other people that are behind the scenes or, that have also worked to bring it together. And um, so um, I kind of always had that aspect. And I think I appreciate that, just having the knowledge that, like, when we're doing things up front, it's affecting the people in the back of the room as well and the people who are trying to help us to sound as good as we can possibly sound. You know, it's like everything I do um, impacts them as well. So, uh, yeah, I just think what I've noticed over the years is just a, a trend of God just continuing to equip. And it took me a few years to kind of realize that, that God had kind of brought that stuff from middle school and high school back full circle because, you know, there were times in Lynchburg where I was really kind of depressed or upset that I wasn't uh, having a little more opportunity to lead musically. Uh, but I also realized, like, God was just continuing to equip me and, and to teach me and to uh, develop me as a person and as a pastor, but also in the areas of technology that now I'm pretty deeply involved in here. Um, and so... Um, yeah, it's just this, um, it's a journey, you know, and I think sometimes we, we want to get to the destination before, you know, traveling the journey. And I mean, that's, that's our whole culture is we, we expect things to happen overnight and, um, that, you know, it's usually a marathon and not a sprint. And, um, so 
Pastor John, I just, uh, you know, we've talked about the East Rock campus that launched in February. Just mention when the service times are and the location of the East Rock campus. Maybe we have somebody listening that is close to there or might even know somebody in the Oakton area that maybe doesn't have a church that is looking for one. Yeah. So 414 Southeast Side Highway, you know, I just know it because I'm from Elkton. I know it as the bingo hall. I know it as where, you know, the lawn party or the uh, whatever they would call it, their field day or whatever would take place often. But yeah, it's the bingo hall. And so that's where we're at. Um, That's our semi-permanent location and uh, we don't know how long the Lord's going to allow us to stay there but that's where we're at and uh, our service times are at um, nine o'clock and ten thirty uh, every Sunday morning and um, it's been a great time connecting with people I have to tell you about a couple that my wife and I have recently connected with so I won't say their names on here but yeah it's really cool because like he and I went to school together I'm pretty sure we were on a recreation basketball team together and I think his dad was the coach um, but his wife is, um, she actually grew up in the church that my grandparents went to. And um, she uh, was a singer there. She hasn't started singing yet with us at East Rock, but uh, they've literally, I think they literally started coming like five or six weeks ago. But I just realized this past Sunday, like the first guitar that she ever played was my grandfather's guitar, which wow. is really cool. And I actually, that was just really cool for me to hear and uh, just to like see. A lot of these things kind of come full circle, and for me to hear that this past Sunday was just kind of cool for me. And so, um, so yeah, um, I don't know. Did I answer all of that there? I think location <laughs> yeah. and time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's powerful. Um, I just love the tapestry of community. You know, I love when those connections are made, and I just I believe that it warms God's heart when we actually see them and acknowledge that what He began, like. He began a good work in you. You know, he formed you in your mother's womb. This other young lady, like, that you all have known each other, and there's that connection. It's just amazing, and it's so encouraging. In a world where people would say, you know, everything is wrong, there are some amazing things that are right in the church and in um, this community, in the world. Um, But that's just encouragement when we can see God um, in that. Yeah, before we choose him, he's choosing us. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. It's a strong word. Well, Pastor John, thank you for joining us today. Anything in closing that you would like to share, whether it be about lead and worship at East Rock or just anything that we've talked about today or anything? Um, you mentioned a story, and that was a great story, I think, just how God brings things full circle, so to speak. Pastor Margaret often talks about tapestry, mm-hmm. how he weaves in our lives different things from our past and brings it back later when we're a totally changed and different person than we were before. And so just anything else that you would want to mention? Yeah, I think like kind of lighthearted. I just want to give a shout out to all the moms who, who have sons who are drummers. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's not in, that's, that's kind of like, um, it's louder probably than the recorder, but you know, my, when my son was, I think in fourth or fifth grade, he began the recorder. And I just remember that being a difficult few months yes. for, for the household, <laughs> but it's kind of cool. Like now my parents and, and us, we share a house and, uh, which has been cool as well, but 
just growing up, like I remember that being really difficult for my parents and they, for them, like it wasn't even so much about them. They felt bad for our neighbors that I was a drummer. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we had this like cutoff time. I think it was eight o'clock for me uh, that I had to be done by eight o'clock playing drums. And, you know, looking back, my parents were, were pretty graceful with that, you know, because now like about five or six weeks ago, my son's taking a pretty deep interest in drums. And like, there's been some days where he'll play for like three, four or five hours. And my, my mom, like, she's like really happy about it rather than being like annoyed by it. And, you know, there's places in the house you can go to kind of make it more background rather than foreground sound. And so it's just kind of cool to, I think she's seen, you know, how God's poured that music into me and how it's kind of helped me along my journey. And I think because she sees that, she has a lot more grace, you know, and even excitement about maybe how how God's using that in my son as well. So that's that's kind of been cool recent for us. So, yeah, yeah, that's powerful. A good word. And I'm sure that the moms that are uh, of drummers, of young drummers, are, you know, they need that encouragement because it can get loud and long. So, yeah, yeah thanks for encouraging. When I worked at a music store in Colorado, that was always a pretty easy sell for moms when they were looking for drums. I, was, I sold so many electronic drum kits. And that was a big factor, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so you can play them almost silently, um, but still kind of get the same effect. But yeah. yeah. Very good. Pastor John, thank you for joining us today and sharing just a little bit about, like I said, growing up in Elkton and now leading worship at our East Rock campus and uh, just how God has used music throughout your life, either witness to people and also to bring you to Him. So it's been great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Pastor John Lawson share a little bit of his testimony and about uh, leading worship now at our East Rock campus, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.